Well, you know what that means. Time for us to have a chat with Vaughn Palmer on this Friday morning. And it turns out it's going to be a busy one in Victoria because unusually so, Premier John Horgan is making some cabinet changes. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. And yes, you're right. It is unusual. Uh, One of the hallmarks of John Horgan's management of the government has been that he's made very few cabinet changes. He tends to put his ministers in place and leave them there as long as they're doing a good job. And uh, the polling numbers suggest that most of them are doing a pretty good job. But the only real changes Horgan's made of any significance is when people retired before the last election, he had to reassign some cabinet positions. Uh, So that's unusual. Another thing that's unusual today is we're getting a technical briefing, and I can't recall a cabinet shuffle where I ever got one before. Usually you get the biographies of the new minister or ministers, if there's more than one. We're getting a tech briefing, and I think that's because this heralds a major, major reorganization of a half dozen ministries in government. In what way? What are they doing? So what they're doing is they're taking all... The government programs spread over five existing ministries that deal with land and resources and water, so crown assets, and they're jamming them all into one brand new ministry that's going to deal with all that. And so it means, as I said, it involves six ministries. It also means change of assignments, at least change of ministries, for more than a thousand public servants. So it's a big deal. And it's also a very ambitious one. Why are they doing this? They're doing this because the New Democrats are committed to moving to co-management of land, water, and resources with First Nations. So this flows out of uh, the legislation they passed a few years ago recognizing the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And this is the government saying, okay, well, from now on, these programs, the land, resources, uh, water, everything is going to be managed in con- co-managed in consultation with First Nations. So it's a very, very ambitious reorganization. Yeah, it is, because I don't, has anything like this ever been attempted before? Well, <laughs> mark me down as a skeptic about this, because... Um, Under the B.C. Liberals, they tried this twice. Uh, Gordon Campbell had this notion that we would have a, quote, one-stop center for handling land and resource issues. And he did it twice. He did it early in his term as premier, and he did it late in his term as premier. Both reorganizations failed. Both were abandoned. And the reason that happened is because um, you can talk about putting it all into one ministry, but I mean, I've seen the reorganization charts for this, and you still have to talk back and forth between the ministries. You, you, you can't silo this stuff. So even though you're taking land out of the forest and lands ministry, when you make decisions on forest and timber resources, you're still going to have to work with the, lands, with the forest ministry. You're still going to have to work with indigenous relations. You're still going to have to work with environment. So you can make as many organizational charts as you want, and believe me, there are a stack of them, but it doesn't solve the problem that these things are very, very complicated. And as I said, mark me down as a skeptic. Um, I have some sympathy, by the way, this week for some of the public servants that are involved in this, Simi, because they were just briefed this week, many of the frontline people. Ooh, yikes. 
on these changes, and you're going to love this detail. That is because the reorganization took place over a period of a year at the high level of the bureaucracy under what they call the cone of silence. Did they actually call it that? They actually call it that. And I know fans of the old Get Smart TV show will think I'm making fun of this, but it's actually there in the documents. We did this under the cone of silence. And if anyone can remember Get Smart, they know what used to happen when they lowered the cone of silence. Things started to come off the rails. But no, this is, as I say, it's very, very ambitious and... uh, As I said, I have my doubts that it'll work, but uh, I guess that's what they're rolling out this morning. Uh, They're trying to give the ministry more money. I think it's a $44 million increase in funding, approval to hire 100 more public servants. So again, that just underscores the ambitions here. Okay, well, interestingly enough, we're speaking with the forest minister later on in the show this morning, so I will ask her about this. But I, I'm just so curious is how are they, how do they decide who they're going to be consulting with or working with on this? Like which First Nations and how do you make sure that those are the designated people, you know, responsible for speaking for that group? Well, you know, this is the unresolved aspect of the NDP's decision to adopt the principles of the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. So it passed the legislature unanimously, and it has the best of intentions. But right from the beginning, here's one of the things that I thought about. There are more recognized First Nations in British Columbia, 203 of them, than there are members of the United Nations. And many of these First Nations are small. They don't have a giant staff and ministry to help sort out land and resource issues for them. Uh, They have a few administrators. They're besieged from all directions about different issues, federal, provincial, local, regional, district. Again, they want more control over their land and resources. I don't blame them. But the big question is, do they have the staff to do it with the best of intentions? Um, Many of them are are just getting up to speed on this stuff. So what I hear from inside the public service is that this is very well-intentioned and a serious effort, but it is going to be very, very hard to get anything done just because of the onerousness of the task and the complications involved. This sounds incredibly ambitious. Yeah, it is. It's very ambitious. It, it, it does flow from, you know, the NDP saying we're going to govern the province now uh, in mindful of court decisions and mindful of uh, the principles of the UN Declaration. And that means that First Nations have a say over what happens on their traditional territories. I get all that. The, the area that the skepticism arises is just from people who have had experience dealing with this stuff, right? And and look, when government reorganizes itself, again, public servants have said this for years, when you reorganize six ministries or five ministries and create a new one, those ministries don't get a hell of a lot done until it's all in place, right? These The public servants that are finding out this week about their new assignments, they've got to be up and working in their new ministry by April the 1st. That's the target, right? Again, with the best of intentions, it's going to be confusing. I will be surprised. The, the, the Premier, I'm sure, will claim that this is going to make permitting 
easier for natural resources and land and water. I just think the nature of bureaucracy is I have my doubts. Simi, the ministry already has a nickname. Oh, boy. So the name of the new ministry is the Ministry of Land, Water, and Resource Stewardship. You take the last few letters of that, it's called already, it's nicknamed the Ministry of Land Wars. Oh, boy. And that tells you what some of the public servants and critics are thinking about this. As I said, even with the best of intentions, it's going to be very difficult to make this work. Well, we'll see what happens. So that is being unrolled out today. I'm sure we'll talk more about it on Monday. But Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye.